Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. Let me read real quick. I want to read about Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. It's in Matthew 21. It's actually one of the rare events that's carried through all four Gospels. Um, And I'll jump between each narrative a little bit today. But the primary one is Matthew 21. And it says, when they drew near to Jerusalem, um, they came to Bethpage uh, at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two disciples He says to them, go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey. You'll find a donkey, and it's colt. The King James called it a foal. So the donkey and it's colt. He said, loose them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled. There was a prophecy fulfilled when he did this, spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on a donkey. So he, he was born in a lowly way in, in the manger, donkeys, barn, hay, all that good stuff. And even as he has this triumphal moment of victory, he's still riding on a donkey. And they brought a colt as well. And then verse 8, it says, he, a very great, everybody say a great, uh, back, back up, I'm sorry, verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt. They laid their clothes on them and he sat on them. Now verse 8. A very, everybody say, a very great multitude. Now, I looked at this this week, and even when there was 5,000 uh, that Jesus was feeding, um, it, it never said a very great multitude. A multitude is a lot of people. It's a multiplication of people. And this isn't a great multitude. Am I in the Bible? It's a very great multitude. It, it reminded me of Acts when it said extraordinary miracles that the apostles were doing. Like, miracles are, by definition, extraordinary. But they were extraordinary. They were not even ordinary miracles. They're extraordinary So this wasn't just a few folks saying, with a golf clap for Jesus. This was a very great multitude spreading their clothes on the road. Others cut down what we know to be palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. That was a recognition of his Messiahship, that he was the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, meaning save us now. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes, they were witnesses. They said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Greet somebody around you. God bless you. Say, God bless you. Good to see you. God bless 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 you. I... uh, 
in this passage, it is Palm Sunday. It's known as the triumphal entry. It, it was Jesus entering Jerusalem in victory, triumphantly. That's what the word triumphant is. It's, it was victorious. He was coming in victory. And uh, he was really coming into Jerusalem for Passover. Uh, but, but at the same time, Jesus knew that time was short and he was coming in and they, he could not even stop this, this recognition that he uh, was the Messiah. And so this was a custom. You have to think of it this way. This, him entering the city in this way is the way that a king would come. Uh, it was a parade of sorts. They would, uh, they would dress the, the, the animal that they were riding in. Um, they, would, they would put palm branches on the ground. They would wave palm branches. Palm branches were a sign of victory. And so they were, they were waving these palm branches. And this is how a, uh, a hero from war would come back to the city. This is how the army that just won a great victory would come back to town. This is how a king, if he was coming back from a, a trip, this is how he would come. And so you have to understand what they were doing, when, what they were saying, what they were intending when Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem, prophesied, fulfilling the prophecy as he would ride on a donkey. And many people at this time, not just a few, but remember, a very great multitude were saying, he's the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the anointed one. He's the one that's been prophesied. Many had, had heard him teach. Many uh, knew, that he was, uh, 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 knew that he was a miracle worker. Many people had seen the wondrous things that he had done. And now he's entering Jerusalem, and in this very great multitude's mind, there is no doubt about it. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the King. And the crowd is shouting together, Hosanna. Blessed be the one that comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying Jesus is Lord when they say that. And the people are so excited. They cannot contain themselves. They're shouting praises to God. They're glorifying him because he is good. He is faithful. He's our savior. And as he gets closer and closer to the city, I can just imagine this parade. As he gets closer and closer to this, the city, there's more and more people. And the praises get louder and louder. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And what you have to understand is the Pharisees didn't like this. They were in competition with Jesus. They didn't like the things that he was preaching. They didn't like the things that he was teaching. They were trying to trip him up. They began to criticize him. And they began to tell the crowd, he's not done great things. They even turn on each other and say, we're not doing enough to stop this man, Jesus. And if you know your, your timeline here, they enact the plot and the conspiracy to kill Jesus. And it goes into gear at this time. But in that moment, they were telling the crowds, he's not the Messiah. He's not the anointed one. They didn't know him like they knew him. They weren't praising him like they were praising him. They didn't understand their praise. And I just want to tell you, there will always be people that don't understand your praise. 
There will always be people that will criticize your commitment to God. There will always be critics of your enthusiasm and your passion. But they don't know like I know what he has done for me. I saw him open blinded eyes. I saw him bring Lazarus out of the grave. I heard him teach. He is the Messiah. I need saving, and he's the Savior, so you're not going to quiet me down. Hosanna! Blessed be the name that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest is what they were saying in verse 9, Carlin. I wonder if the church would just say Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Verse 9 right there, that's where I was trying to get to. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, they knew that he was the Messiah for one reason is because that it was prophesied that his life would be defined by miracles. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Don't miss, don't ever miss how many prophecies the life of Jesus fulfilled. There was prophecies how he would be born. I don't know about you, but you don't have any, uh, I didn't have any control about what city I was born in, what day I was born in, what was happening in the news when I was born. But all of those things were prophesied for Jesus. For the most part, we have no decision on how we will die, but his death was prophesied in great detail uh, hundreds of years before he died. It was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that even his birth would be miraculous. And that came to pass in Matthew chapter 1. His life began with a miracle. Then his ministry began with a miracle. At the wedding of Cana, his mother told the servants of the wedding, do whatever he says to do. He said, fill up the pots with water and they'll pour out wine. John chapter 2, verse 11, it said that what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs. Carlins, I'm in John 2, 11. In, uh, the first of the signs in which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. So the disciples, um, he immediately was gathering disciples. Why? Because he's turning water into wine. We've been looking for a Messiah that was a miracle worker, and I've never seen water turn into wine before. Jesus said in John 7, 21, he said, I do one miracle, and y'all are amazed. So the first thing I'm going to say is, Jesus does amazing things. How did they know he was the Messiah? What were they recognizing that day? I believe that very great multitude on that day, one thing is they were recognizing he's a miracle worker. I love what the spiritual movement did today. Ruby, I love that group so much. They were telling us he's a miracle worker. He's a God that does miracles. And this was one of the first things they began to say. He is a miracle worker. And, and so they, what they were getting excited about and why they were recognizing him that day is first and foremost, he was doing amazing things. They knew Jesus was the Messiah because he was doing amazing things. Jesus was doing things that men cannot do. There was a time on the sea where a storm kicked up. Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat. The disciples are afraid. Finally, one of them say, let's go wake up Jesus. And they say, Master, 
Don't you care that we're up here dying in this boat? Jesus wakes up, steps out onto the bow of the ship. He commands the wind and the waves by saying, peace, be still. Verse 27 of Matthew 8, the men are amazed and they ask, what kind of man is this? This isn't a normal guy. Even the wind and the waves obey his command. Jesus was doing supernatural things. Jesus was doing amazing things. Storms usually wind down. They don't just stop. They Usually the, the water kind of dr- drains out of the cloud and now that cloud is, is drifting on out and the, the clouds run out and slowly the sun cracks through the clouds. I don't know about you, but storms do not respond to my command. I never stepped out during a hurricane and said, peace. Maybe I tried it, but it didn't work. What kind of man is this? The wind and the waves obey him. He has some authority over creation. Men don't have authority over creation. That's why they said, what kind of man is this? This is amazing what he's doing. This is outside the order of nature what he's doing. You have to understand that God as our creator, he put a natural order into this world. The planets turn, there's day and there's night. He's put a certain order into nature. You might injure yourself and break open your skin. And a wound will, uh, uh, that wound will scab over and begin a natural healing process. God has given our bodies a natural ability to heal. That's within God's creation in his natural order. God is also within nature. He's given us a resource-rich environment that we can use oftentimes to treat illnesses. God has given us means of aiding and bringing healing through medicines that we've extracted from our environment, that we found in natural products, and and that that is natural. When you break a bone, the doctor might put you in a cast or a sling or a boot, and there's a timeline for that bone to, to heal. God has put that into the natural order. But, and, but God, the creator of our world and universe, who installed these natural processes, has reserved the right for himself to at any time step into the natural with a supernatural answer. He can supersede the natural processes. And Jesus was doing amazing things by the power of God inside of him and showing them, I can call death life. I can call sick heal. I can call lack plenty. I can turn five loaves to feed 5,000. I can turn a, a storm into sunshine. I can change everything by the word, by the touch, just by the mention of his name. I got to tell you, there's miracles, there's healing, there's blessing. I wonder if anybody believes it today. Jesus does amazing things and he's worthy of my praise. How many said amen to that? 
John's gospel carries this detail from the triumphal entry. Remember I said that this is one of the rare stories that is carried across all four gospels. John's gospel carries this same triumphal entry. And it says here in verse 17, Therefore the people who were with him, watch it now, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they were there and they bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see, we are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. And that's where they start to criticize themselves. We're not doing enough to stop him. The whole world is going to follow this man, Jesus, if we don't step in and do something here. But here's what I love. Back to verse 17. The people who were in that cemetery... And heard Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. They were in the audience saying, we saw him do amazing things. I know you weren't there that day, but I was. And somebody else stood up and said, I saw it too. And it's a good thing he said, Lazarus, because he had power over death. The whole graveyard might have come out if he didn't address Lazarus by name. I was there, and somebody else stood up, may have stood up and said, yeah, yeah, I was there when he brought the centurion's servant to, to, to healing again. I was there when that girl was brought to life. I was in the audience when that woman that had been sick for 12 years and saw every doctor in town, I saw her receive her healing immediately. And the crowd starts saying, trading stories. I was there at the wedding when the water turned into wine. Somebody was there saying, I saw him drive out evil spirits. Somebody was there and said, yeah, I was in the cemetery when that young boy was cutting himself and had a legion of demons. And at Jesus' command, they left that boy, went into the pigs, and I saw him run off the cliff. I was there when he orchestrated a miraculous catch of fish. He told us, just, just throw the net on the other side. I was there when, I, when he rebuked the storm. And we said, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the waves obey him? Somebody was there and said, I saw him heal the government official's son. I wonder if Peter's mother-in-law was there and said, he healed me of a fever. I wonder if when they were at that dinner party, how many people were there that saw the sick man healed? I wonder if the 10 lepers were there and said, look, we are healed of the leprosy and the thankful one was restored to health. I wonder if the centurion servant was there. I wonder if the paralytic man was there. I wonder if the man with the withered hand was there. I wonder if the widow's son that was raised from death was there. I wonder if that casket was there. I wonder if that woman that was healed from 12 years, I wonder if she was there. I wonder if her doctors that had no answer, I wonder if they were there. I wonder if Jairus' daughter that had been brought back to life, I wonder if they were there. I wonder if the two blind men were there. I wonder if the mute man that could not speak or the lame man from Bethesda. I wonder if that whole crowd of sick folk from Genesaret was there. I wonder if the Gentile woman's demon-possessed daughter was there. I wonder if the deaf man and the mute man and the blind man from Bethsaida and the man that was born blind 
and the boy with the demon and the mute demoniac and the crippled woman. And I wonder if the man that he healed on the Sabbath was there. And I wonder if folks that ate from those five loaves that were multiplied and the fish that were multiplied. I wonder if somebody was there, said, I saw him walking on water. I saw Peter walk on water. And all of a sudden, the praise, it couldn't be contained. It got so loud. They were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. I've got no doubt about it. He's the son of God. He's the son of David. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's a miracle worker. He does amazing things. I wonder if faith could arise in the house today and just say, he does amazing things. He does amazing things. Miracles define the life and ministry of Jesus. And I want to remind you, he's a risen Savior. I believe for you today that when the natural is maxed out and we've done everything that we know to do, we've done everything humanly possible, we don't have the answer, we don't have the resources, we don't have the ability, never forget that Jesus has amazing things he can do above and beyond what we could even ask or think. I want to remind you today, he's an amazing God. Hosanna. He's our Messiah. He's a miracle worker. And if you have a need today, I know Jesus. The second thing they began to praise him for, and the second thing that they had an awareness of and came to recognize is that Jesus is the Christ. Peter is the first recorded to recognize, thou art the Christ. Jesus had this moment with the disciples, and it it said in Matthew 16, he said, who do men say that I am? Verse 13 of Matthew 16, who, who are, what are people saying about me? Who, who do they say I am? How's my teaching going? How, how is it setting with them? Are, are, they, are they getting to understand things? And, and so his disciples, they say, well, some people say you're like John the Baptist. Some people say that you have a ministry like Elijah or Jeremiah, or maybe you're just a, a good prophet. And he says, okay, okay, okay. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter stood up and said, thou art the Christ. No doubt about it. I wasn't like, well, we kind of think maybe it's possible that maybe you are God and man. Like, maybe. He just said, well, you're the Christ. Like, very matter of fact, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. You're the son of the living God. Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon. His name was still Simon. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, and I say to you that now, today, right now, I'm changing your name, you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, meaning the recognition that he is the Christ, that is the foundation, the rock, of which I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever is loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Peter said, you are the Christ. 
I got to tell you, there's something that unlocks the power of heaven when you recognize you are the Christ, you are the Savior, you are the anointed one. That's why every time this worship team gets up here, you ought to just take a moment to say, you are able, you are the Christ, you are my Savior, you are the only living God. You ought to just profess it with your own mouth because there's something that unlocks when you recognize he's God. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. The authority of heaven becomes unlocked and loosed when you recognize he is the Christ. Verse 20 is interesting at this time because he knows as soon as this gets momentum that, that there would be a conspiracy on his life. So he commands the disciples in verse 20, don't tell anybody yet that I'm the Christ. Christ, uh, if you don't know, it, it just means anointed one. Uh, Jesus, the anointed one. When someone says Jesus Christ, they're saying Jesus, the anointed one. They're saying Jesus, the Messiah. They're saying Jesus, our Savior. That's, that's really what they're saying when they say Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Christ, as it says right here. And the multitudes had that same recognition that very great multitude in Matthew 21, 9, they were saying, Hosanna, which means save us now, the son of David. That was a recognition that he was the Messiah that they had waited for. And I'll tell you, they were desperate for a savior. And I wonder if we are desperate for a savior. I wonder if you can remember when you were lost in sin and you said, Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you make me whole? Jesus, would you forgive my life? Would you wash my sin? Would you make wrongs right? Would you give me a blank slate? Would you give me a second chance? I wonder if how many there were so hungry, so looking forward. Someday there'll be a Savior. Someday there'll be a Savior. And I wonder if that would stir up within us today and just say, I need a Savior. I need a new beginning. I need a new start. I'm thankful for every time God has given me a second chance, a seventh chance. He is my Savior. He has forgiven me. He has washed me. He is the Christ. He has forgiven me. He has made me new. Don't ever let that be lost on you. He's your Savior. You know, I think one of the reasons that fear grips people so hard sometimes is they realize what I had put my trust in isn't as firm of a rock as I thought it was. They realize that what they had put their hope and faith in can't save them. And all of a sudden, fear grips them. That's why your hope, your faith ought to be in Christ and in Christ alone. Because there'll be a time in your life where you realize money can't buy me out of this thing. There'll be a time in your life where you'll say, my intellect ain't getting me out of this one. There'll be a time in your life where you say, my friends can't get me out of this. A doctor can't get me out of this. A lawyer can't get me out of this. A blank check couldn't get me out of this. And so you say, in those moments, what can save me? Who can save us? Psalm 20 said, some trust in horses 
and some trust in chariots, meaning some people trust in government, some people trust in military might, but he said, we will trust the name of the Lord. We ought to get that in our spirit today. My trust is not in the government, it's not in money, it's not in lawyer, it's not in a doctor, it's not in anything in this world. My trust, my hope, my faith is in Jesus and it's in Christ alone because he can save my soul, he can save me for eternity, he can save me from my condition, he can save me from this world, he can save me for eternity. Jesus can be trusted. In every storm, in every trial, in every valley, in every dark night, the Bible says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. People can fail you, but he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know someone that will never fail you, never leave you, never forsake you, that said, I will be with you even to the end of the world. Lo, I will be with you always. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And so I will remember, David said, the name of the Lord. I will put my confidence in him. I will put my trust in him. Because everybody's going to have a moment where all the stuff you stockpiled from Sam's or Costco ain't going to save you. And my hope isn't in Sam. My, My hope is in him. My hope is in Jesus. I'm not trusting in a horse or a chariot or a blank check, but my hope is in the Lord. And so we're entering this Passion Week, and we know what happened on Good Friday. There was suffering, there was hurt, there was pain, there was confusion. But our trust is in the Lord, even in times of hurt, even in times of pain, even in times of confusion, because Resurrection Sunday is coming, and He wins the battle He wins the victory over death and hell. He is our Savior because He went into death for us. He went into hell for us. He exited death to make a way out of death for you and I. And He now holds the keys to death and hell. That's why He is a Savior. If He didn't come out of the grave, He can't bring you out of the grave. But He came out of the grave... And he has the keys to death and hell. That's why he's my savior today. He has the power to break through death and hell. That means there's nothing that you're facing today that he can't bring you through. Because he's already come through death and hell. He is my savior. He is my hope. He is my salvation. And it is in the name of Jesus. How many said amen? Amen. Uh, Music come. I'm going to close today. And this is my favorite part. They were recognizing, first of all, that he does amazing things. They were recognizing, secondly, that he is the Christ. Third, they said, Jesus is worthy to be praised. And this is my favorite part. This one's carried in Luke's gospel. As he's drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, um, They were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees began to rebuke the crowd 
uh, rebuke, uh, they, some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd and said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Carlins, I wonder, could you help me real quick and put up verse 37 there? I, I wanted to show verse 37 before I got down to verse 40. So it says in verse 37, he'll get it on the, on the screen there. Thank, thank you, Carlins. Back up one verse. There we go. It's drawing near the Mount of Olives. That whole multitude, remember, there was a very, very, very great multitude. And they began to rejoice. And they began to praise God. I love this. With a loud voice. For what? All the mighty works. Remember that, that? That was the first sign to them. He's doing amazing things. And they began, to, as he's coming to that, that descent of the Mount of Olives, that whole multitude, very great multitude, thousands and thousands of people, we don't know how many, they began to rejoice. I wonder if we could rejoice today. I wonder if we could get joy again in our spirit today and just say, oh, there's a lot of things going on, but I've got joy in my salvation. I've got joy in my Savior. And and, and not, not everything in my life is good, but everything good in my life came down from the Father above. Every good gift comes from the Father above. And so not everything in my life is good, but everything good in my life came from Him. And so I'm going to rejoice and praise God. And here's what I love, don't miss it, with a loud voice. It wasn't a golf clap for Jesus. It wasn't a... I've seen some folks at a golf event yesterday in town. It wasn't a... It was a loud voice. So sometimes in church, it's all right to praise God with a loud voice. It's all right for the... I I remember it said in Psalm 150 that there were loud symbols. That they were praising God on the loud symbols. They began to lift up their voice because now it's so evident. It's so obvious. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's the one we've been watching for. He's the one we've been hoping for. He's our Savior. That's the Christ, the Son of God. He's coming in on a donkey, just like it always said he would. And I love the church's enthusiasm today. But the Pharisees didn't. So going back to that verse 39, they say, Teacher, aren't you going to rebuke these people? Rebuke your disciples. They shouldn't be praising you like this. And Jesus makes this point. I tell you that if they would keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Because it's so obvious. It's so evident now. Like even the rocks would cry out. They would, I mean, the animals would cry. All of creation. The earth is now full of his glory. Everybody knows that's the Messiah. That's the Christ. That's the Son of God. He's worthy to be praised. If 
you know he's the Messiah, just begin to praise him one more time with a loud voice. Hallelujah. Stay standing. I'm almost done. When I think of a church, I think of church ought to be like when Jesus was coming in to Jerusalem. I got to remind you, he's here with us in this room. He's a resurrected Savior. He's alive. He said, I'll be with you even to the end of the world. He said, when two or three gather in my name, I'm there. The Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So wherever there's praise, there's Jesus. And I just imagine Jesus coming down the lane. Just coming down. What would you do if he was here right now? You'd give him a loud praise. You'd give him a loud worship. And I just believe that's how church ought to be. Church ought to be a worshiping church. Ought to be a revival church. Ought to be a praising church. Ought to be a church that has a praise phrase. Glory to his name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And it just rolls off your voice, out of your tongue, because you say it so often. I think a quiet church is a dead church. I don't want our kids to grow up in a dead church. But I believe that a church that really believes Jesus is in our midst is a church that sings, that shouts, that amens, that claps a little too loud, sings a little too loud, sings off key, somebody's hollering, somebody's shouting, because Jesus is in our midst. The Pharisees said, why don't you stop? But Jesus' answered to them is the same to us today. If you don't praise me, the rocks are going to cry out. Because it's so evident. It's so obvious. Someday every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. It started by Peter saying, thou art the Christ. But someday every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So if I don't praise him for the things he's done, he has rocks ready to step in. I don't ever want there to be a rock choir. I want to sing. I want to shout. I want to say he's been so good to me. His favor is evident. I've got to lift him up. I've got to praise him for all the things that he's done. Because if I don't, I thought about how it was a rock that was rolled away that revealed the risen Savior. And if I don't praise him, that rock's going to say, I was there. He was buried. The rock's going to say, I saw him entombed. And as I was sitting there, these angels started rolling me out of the way. And I looked to see what happened. And Jesus stands up in the tomb and walks on out. And so if I don't praise him and say, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, that rock's going to say, he's a risen Savior. I wonder if we could just stand today and give him a loud praise all over the house. 
this altar today. I wonder if we could just celebrate. I wonder if we could just worship today. I'm opening this altar. The worship team's going to sing. How many would just say, I'm going to make my way to the altar so no rock cries out. Come on, come on. Press forward today. Press forward today. Worship team's going to sing. Let's just let joy be in the house. And Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.